0: Stories of Ordinary People.
1: Boya, to his five years my senior, was the head of our department and had developed a fondness for me. At first, I shrugged off his flirty ways as I was told he was, you know, homosexual. He boasted that it's going to be easy for him to create similarly scandalous pictures of me. He also threatened to spread the picture he sent through the internet. Stories that present legal questions. Is my husband's homosexuality enough reason to ask for the dissolution of our marriage? I am actually terrified that this photo will be leaked at work and seen by my customers
0: straightforward advice that makes complicated legal issues simple to understand.
2: To be able to constitute a ground for the solution of her marriage, Maria has first to prove by a preponderance of evidence the fact that her husband is a homosexual.
3: The situation of Beatrice is no longer uncommon nowadays. That is why we have several new laws on internet content abuse and cyberbullying.
1: Welcome to the second season of Amicus Juris, the podcast project, where real-life stories and their legal consequences are featured in a manner that is easily understandable. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Amicus Juris, The Podcast Project. I am your host, Blessie, and together with my co-host, JP, we will be discussing complicated legal issues in simple terms.
0: Good evening, Blessy. So tonight's episode tackles another dangerous situation that ordinary citizens may find themselves in without necessarily knowing the dire consequences.
1: In episode 5, we discussed the danger of hitching a ride with a stranger who was later found to be transporting illegal drugs. In this episode, we will talk about the story of Melvin, a call center agent who was charged with the crime of visiting a drug den under Section 7, Paragraph B of Republic Act Number 9165.
0: And as always, we will be joined by our resident legal advisor, Attorney R.V. June Zoe Bernal in discussing Melvin's case and his chances of avoiding a bleak future due to a drug conviction.
1: Okay, partner, let us first listen to Melvin's story.
2: Hello, I am Elvin. I am 22 years old and working as a call center agent in one of the BPO's in the city. I was assigned to work on night shifts and because of this, I always need extra energy to keep myself awake. I easily get sleepy and I find it really hard to bring my A-game when I'm on night duty. This led me to experiment with anything to keep me awake. I started with cigarettes, coffee, and energy drinks. But these did not solve my problem. Then I met Maya, an office mate who introduced me to prohibited drugs. She told me that taking a bit of these drugs made her up all night. Well, I tried it and it worked for me. I was awake the entire shift and did not have to worry about dozing off. It has become normal practice for me to take illegal drugs before I go to work. I only take a little, just what is needed. My performance improved and I was soon promoted to team leader. One early morning after work, Maya invited me to her apartment for a round of beer. She said we had every reason to celebrate. She too was promoted to team leader. So we went to her apartment and when we got there, I was surprised that several call center agents were already there. They were drinking and there was karaoke. Everybody was just enjoying themselves so I jumped in. It was really fun until there was a loud knock on the door. When nobody cared to open it, a thundering sound followed. The policeman forced open the door with a battering ram. It was like in the movies. Police shouting for us not to move while they entered my apartment with their weapons pointed at us. I quickly dropped to the floor while my companions campered around the apartment. Some tried to jump out of the window, but the police who already cordoned the place were able to catch all of them. They were brought back inside the apartment. The police was serving a search warrant against Maya. As they read the contents of the search warrant, I suddenly froze. I remember that it was Maya who introduced me to illegal drugs. I also remembered having taken before reporting for work the previous evening. If they subject me to drug test, I will surely test positive. During the search, the police recovered transparent plastic sachets, aluminum foils, containers of white crystalline substance and white powdery residue, disposable lighters, and improvised plastic scoops inside Maya's apartment. They also found a large amount of money and assorted bills. Later, I, together with Maya and the other call center agents, was brought to the police station and subjected to a mandatory drug test. As I expected, I tested positive for the drugs. The police charged me for violating Section 7B of the Republic Act No. 9165 of the Comprehensive Dangerous Drugs Act of 2002. This penalizes the act of knowingly visiting a drug den or a place where prohibited drugs are being used, sold, or stored. I really am in a bind right now. Yes, I took illegal drugs that evening but it was not at Maya's apartment. I did not have any idea that illegal drugs were being used at the apartment when I joined the group that early morning. All we had was clean fun, drinking, and karaoke, nothing else. I did not even suspect that Maya kept drugs at her apartment. Please guys, tell me about my chances of avoiding a life in prison. I promise I'll never take illegal drugs anymore.
1: Is what I really fear, aside from hitching a tricycle ride with somebody who was actually transporting illegal drugs, being in the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: That is true. We all experience getting invited to our co-worker, classmate, or barcada's houses. And who would think that there will be drugs kept therein, right? I completely agree with you. That this is a really frightening reality especially because it can happen to all of us
1: it is good that we have attorney RV June Zoe Bernal who will help us understand section 7 paragraph B of Republic Act number 9165 of the comprehensive dangerous drugs Act of 2002 and the latest Supreme Court ruling on the matter
3: Good evening to you, Blessie and JP. Thank you for inviting me back to the podcast. Well, Melvin is really in a bind right now since he was caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. Worse, he tested positive for illegal drugs after he was arrested. Despite this predicament, however, I think the latest decision of the Supreme Court in Coronel et al. v. People is applicable in Melvin's case. In that decision of the Supreme Court, the accused who were similarly charged for visiting a drug den were acquitted. What is notable is, just like Melvin here, the accused in the coronel case were found to have used drugs sometime before their arrest. The Supreme Court ruled that assuming those arrested were, in fact, at the alleged drug den before their arrest, there was no showing how long they were at the alleged drug den, or how long the drugs had been in their system. In other words, there was no basis to assume that the ones arrested used drugs at the moment immediately before arrest and thus at the location of the arrest. Even assuming that the persons who tested positive for drugs used them at the place of arrest is not sufficient to show that they were aware of the nature of the suspected drug den before visiting it, absent any other circumstantial evidence. The police must show that the persons they arrested knew the nature of the alleged drug den, or that they used drugs in the premises. This must be proven through acts or evidence found, which would tend to show a familiarity with the nature of the place as a drug den. In addition, if the arrested persons were not found to be in possession of any drugs or were not found in the act of using, selling, or buying illegal drugs, nor packaging, nor hiding, nor transporting the same, there would be no reason for them to be arrested. The police and our drug enforcement agents should remember that the crime of knowingly visiting a drug den under Article 2, Section 7 of Republic Act Number no. 9165 carries with it a minimum penalty of imprisonment of 12 years and one day and a maximum of 20 years. It is not to be taken so lightly that its elements can be presumed to exist without any effort to show them.
0: Thank you for enlightening us, Attorney Bernal. Phew. Now I can say that a lot of listeners have made a collective sigh of relief with me. Being in a place which is later found to be a drug, den is not by itself a violation of the draconian provision of Republic Act No. 9165.
1: I agree with you, partner. I could not imagine languishing in jail for a maximum period of 20 years just because I visited a friend's apartment without any idea that he is using drugs there or keeping a stash that would qualify his place as a drug den.
0: Well, it is good to know that we still have the Supreme Court as our last bulwark of protection against arbitrary searches and seizures.
1: And there you go another episode that not only enlightens our listeners about their legal rights, but explains the law in simple terms.
0: And for those who have just listened to our podcast, we are already in our second season of bringing you legal advice through the podcast platform. But you can still listen to our past episodes as far back as season 1 through most podcast apps.
1: Again, this is Blessy, and together with my co-host, JP, we wish you a good evening and hope to be with you in our next podcast episode. Stories discussed in this podcast are inspired by real cases decided by the Supreme Court. The opinions and views of the guest lawyers are their own personal analysis and views on the featured topic. Any comment about the podcast episodes may be sent to Amico's Juris Facebook page.